Praise the Lord, everyone. Good to be in the house of God once again. Thankful for what God is doing. In great anticipation for what God is going to do. I thank God for our pastor and his wife. Some of y'all are waiting for a specific reason why, but I'm just thankful for my pastor and his wife. Thankful for my wife and my family, for all of you that are here in the house of the Lord. God is so awesome. Well, where there are two or three witnesses, God is in the midst. In case you didn't hear me, I said God is awesome. All right, we got a few more witnesses. He is awesome. We began talking on the subject of avoiding earthly distractions last week and maintaining spiritual dedication. Avoiding earthly distractions and maintaining spiritual dedication and we read Galatians chapter 5 Paul encourages us to walk in the spirit and by walking in the spirit he says you will not what pastor just mentioned it earlier getting flesh out of The way taking self out of the way. Flip the word self and an H at the end and you have flesh. And that's what we are dealing with today. If you can if we can take flesh out of the way, I think we'll start having a lot of things go better in our world today. The wars and the rumors of wars are a direct result of the flesh. So how does it start when you have folks that can't get along, can't agree on something? People get bitter and they get angry and the next thing you know they want to fight. Animosity and hostility builds up. To the point where they forget about the moral law and they're ready to take out somebody else. Take a life. That's what flesh will do. Driving a person, because it takes a lot for you to take the life of somebody else. I don't care who you are, you can be the hardest criminal, but they'll even tell you it takes a lot. After a while, you become desensitized, but the first time you do it, it 
You find out how many people have gone to combat and, and have it's cost people lives because they couldn't pull the trigger because they knew what it meant. It was going to take the life of somebody else. God has put it in us, in our consciousness. So it takes a lot to do that. But usually what builds that up is anger and hostility and animosity. If I stay in that state long enough, well, what what is it really impacting? It's impacting the flesh. Because if I look at it from a spiritual standpoint, I'm going to be more inclined to have compassion and forgive. Because that's the way God sees it. Now, please understand that there is a punishment for those who go against the laws of God. But it's not because that's what God desires to happen to us. The Bible says God is not willing that any. It was never God's will for us to be destroyed. It was our will to be destroyed. The Bible lets us know from the very beginning, sin, the wages of sin is what? Death. I want to kind of review something before we continue on in this lesson, something that we had talked about this past week on Wednesday. And if you go to to the book of Genesis, I want you to I want to point out something real quick, because I think we really need to get a grasp on what sin is. Genesis chapter three. We'll begin with. Verse one. But we, we, we have to have a clear understanding of what sin is. You know, I, we've said this before, but it's important to know sin is not an animate object. Sin is not an individual person. Sin is an act. It is a behavior. Look at what happens. Dialogue takes place. Genesis chapter three. Right? The serpent, very crafty, he comes up to Eve and he poses a question to provoke a conversation. As I've said many times before, the last thing you want to do is have a conversation with Satan. Because I guarantee you he'll outsmart you. You got some folks who think they can, no, you no match. Not by yourself. Approaches Eve, provokes a conversation. Look at how he asks the question. He says, did God say you shall not eat of every tree? The next verse, look at the response by this passage of scripture, we, we realize that regardless of how Eve found out, look at how she responds. She says, we may eat of the fruit, the fruit of the trees of the garden. Next verse. But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of garden. Look at what she says. God had said, even if Adam passed the message along, Eve had enough understanding to know that it came from God. She didn't say Adam said. She said God had said. You shall not eat 
of it. Neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. Of course, the dialogue continues, and, you know, Satan says, oh, man, you shall not surely die. Now, here's what's interesting. The Bible never called the tree evil. It says it's the knowledge of good and evil. To know good and evil. Now, what is so, what, what is so important about that? Don't eat from this tree. First of all, we find that God is the one that labeled these two trees, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It could have been any tree, but these are the two particular trees that he designated and said, don't eat from this one. You can eat from all of these other ones, including the tree of life. Right? But the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, Adam and Eve, when God created them, they were in a pure state of mind. Satan understood this. So what was so what was so important? Why was it such a big deal not to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Well, the enemy knew that if they partook of that tree, they would be exposed to information, good and evil. Right. That's what that means. The tree of knowledge of good and evil. You receive you. He, he tells him, he says, hey, God knows that you'll, you'll just become like gods and you'll. No good and evil. But what he did not disclose to them is that by eating from that tree and by being exposed to knowledge of good and evil, we are not responsible enough within ourselves to differentiate between good and evil. We don't have that capacity on our own. So what happens is now we all have this information. We expose a whole bunch of information, and then we have to determine what is good and what is evil. Y'all with me so far? Now, how do we know what's good and what's evil? We know God is good, right? So God allows us to understand what is good. The condition our world is in is that they don't understand what is good. They are blinded, so they can't differentiate between good and evil. In fact, they are looking at the things that are evil as if they are good. So in essence, having that information actually messes us up. It's an information overload. Because everything that was good, we already had that information. But now I'm going to feed you something that's not so good and put you in a position where you have to choose between whether or not you're going to be good or evil because now you have both information, right? So partaking of that tree, they put themselves, the act of eating from that tree was the act of disobedience. That was sin. Notice that the enemy didn't force anyone to take from the tree. He persuaded them. Y'all with me? Because I know some of y'all are analytical and you're trying to figure out how to tie this in with what I'm talking about. But if you follow me, we'll go down this rabbit trail. and We all reach the destination together. He persuaded Eve 
to eat from the tree. But the Bible lets us know that she looked at it, she contemplated, she evaluated, and then she came to her own conclusion. In spite of what she told the serpent in verse 4, or verse 5, right, that God had said, she made her own decision to go against what God said and eat from the tree anyway. That is the essence of sin, is to go against the things of God. Period. So if you're in sin, stop blaming the devil. Because you are in the mess you're in because you choose to be where you're at. Y'all with me? I love y'all. But y'all already know I got to tell the truth. Amen? Folks are so quick to blame everybody else. We got folks in prison can't own up to their responsibilities and the actions that they made ready to blame somebody else. You know folks want to blame the cops for getting a ticket. I'm pretty sure that that cop was not in that vehicle when you were moving fast and watching that speedometer go past the speed limit on that big white board that you pass every couple of miles. Reminder, here's the speed limit. In case you forgot a couple of miles ago, speed limit still remains. Now you want to get upset with the cops because they done pulled you over. I don't understand why they let me off with a warning. You already had enough warnings coming up. Come on, y'all. Look, don't get mad at me. A choice and a decision that we make. And and here's the reality, brothers and sisters. You know, you know the reason why we come to church and the reason why we have prayer meetings and the reason why we fast and the reason why we encourage people to read their Bible and study the scriptures and and pursue a relationship with God is because it's a life or death situation. That's what it comes down to. The Bible already lets us know. This is what God was telling Adam in the beginning. If you disobey me by eating from this tree, you're going to die. That's where the death came in because the wages of sin is death. That's what he was getting at. It wasn't so much focusing on the tree, but it was the principle that God said, don't eat from this tree. If God would have never said it, it would have never been a principle that they had to follow. It would have never been sin. Think about it. If God never set the principle, if God never established the law, never established the commandments, it wouldn't be sin. Paul tells us that. Without the law, there would be no sin. But because God established it, now it's a law. Now y'all know how the law of the land works, right? Law goes into effect, you know. Just what, last year, I think it was, they put the law in effect about the headlights for the car and, and inclement weather. Your lights is out, then you're going to get a ticket. Right? They were talking about it, but 
they finally made it made it a law, right? And you got folks that get upset because you know why why am I getting a ticket? You know I'm, I'm on my way to change my the hey that's the law, right? And we know if you break a law, there are consequences. So why are folks so surprised when God allows us to go through some consequences in our life because we break his laws? Tell you why, because the same reason why Eve ate from that tree. She was so distracted by what was presented to her. By what she could physically see, that she was ignorant to the consequences that she would have to face on the spiritual side. It wasn't just a matter of a physical death. It was a spiritual death that took place. Brothers and sisters, I'm just trying to give you a message and remind you that while we're living on this earth, you do realize that we were not meant to be here permanently there is more to life you know folks that that um you know a lot of times we mourn the dead and you know and we look at it and we say that's the end but i see it differently it's actually the beginning for them of eternity but then I had to really understand the moment that God brought us into existence, we have already begun our journey on eternity. So everything we do on this side dictates where we end up on the other side, but it's all a continuation of life. So. While we mourn in the dead, we need to be examining ourselves to figure out where do we stand in the life that God has given us. Because rest assured, there is a spiritual implication behind our earthly existence. Second Corinthians chapter four, verses three through four says. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, right? In whom Whom the God of this world had blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. If I am going to overcome the distractions of the world, I need to be spiritual minded. And in order to be spiritually minded, now when we say spiritual minded, you know, just using that phrase is not really enough because spiritual just means anything that's not earthly, doesn't have material, you know, so Satan is a spiritual being. But when we say spiritual, we're referring to godly, having a godly mind. Amen? Amen. 
So when I say I need to be spiritual, I need to be godly. Because God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. John tells us that, right? 1 John 4, 1 through 6. I won't wait for everybody to turn to it. Hopefully you have your Bibles. If you don't, if you used to not bring in your Bibles, you need to get used to it. Stop waiting for the scripture to come up on the screen. Got to have your sword. Amen. We used to have a little saying. I don't remember all of it, but in the Marine Corps, they say, this is my weapon. This is my weapon. There are many like it, but this one is mine. They want to make sure you understood you own that one. You go into combat without your weapon. Don't ask to borrow your your neighbors over there because he too busy trying to defend his life. Need to have your Bibles. Amen. First John four, one through six. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist. Whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. You know, you got some folks that are looking for this image. You know, they're looking for these manifestations, all the, the other things, and the mark of bees. And everybody getting so caught up in all these other things that's supposed to come in the end times. And in the meantime, we got folks in the church that are being deceived by the Antichrist spirit. Not even paying attention. To the degradation that's going on in this, you know, when we, it's, it's, <clears throat> you can see the decline in the church when you've got folks who fornicating and they come and want to, well, I'm good to go. I'm saved and sanctified. Okay, you might have been filled with the Holy Ghost, but right now the Holy Ghost is not working in your life if you fornicating. If you committing adultery, if you watching stuff you ain't supposed to be watching, you still smoking cigarettes, you still drinking alcohol. Come on, y'all. This is see, this is the this is the challenge. You you know, some folks believe that, you know, people get up and they start preaching and, you know. They come up because they, they want to preach to you because they can't stand you. So I got to preach about your situation and make sure when you leave here, you hurting. That's not the intent. But if nobody teaches and preaches the truth, then how do you ever come to the point where you're convicted enough to change? I said this before and I say it again. It doesn't matter if people like it. But when you come into the house of God, if you don't plan on living for God, then you should feel uncomfortable. 
I can love you with the love of God, but if you don't plan on changing and living for God, you shouldn't feel comfortable in the house of God. But when you have folks that come in, ain't changing, ain't trying to live for God. You know, I was there once. And for me, I was uncomfortable because I knew what my intentions were. So I decided I wasn't going to come. I wasn't trying to get right, so I just didn't come. People try to reach out to me, I will let them know, hey, I, you know, that's just not what I'm trying to do right now. See, I thank God for what God does. I thank God for his delivering power. Y'all, y'all looking at a man and you see the man the way I am now, but what you don't know is what God has allowed me to go through, and he kept me through all of it. Losing my mind and living my life the way I know I shouldn't live. Out there running the streets and doing stuff that I know I wasn't supposed to be doing. Going to places I wasn't supposed to be going. And it was only the hand of God that kept me. But in that lifestyle, I wasn't trying to just come and pretend that I was okay. I didn't have nobody to impress. And when I come to the house of God now, I ain't trying to impress nobody. I'm trying to please God. You can love me, you can hate me, I don't lose no sleep over it because at the end of the day, I'm trying to please the Lord. Hopefully, you understand that it's all to please God. Amen? Ain't trying to make nobody upset. That's easy to do. But we are in a generation where there has to be somebody telling the truth like it is. Because there are so many things detracting from the truth. There are a lot of distractions out there in this world that are detracting from the truth. And sad to say, some of it has crept into the church. I don't bash people, but I do call out the behavior. And I believe that's what God wants us to do, point out things that's not right. The sanctuary was never meant to be a clubhouse. Sanctuary was never meant to be a dance parlor. A club. Just a hangout spot. Where all the fellas can come and chill. Because that's how we like to roll. This is how folks are treating the house of God. Come in looking all kinds of ways. Y'all can get mad now, but this is the truth. You know, when I was growing up, when when I went to church, we had older folks. And as a child, if we were playing around, we had older folks that was quick to say, "Uh uh-uh, don't you play in here. Don't you run in here. You got folks now throwing footballs in the sanctuary. I look at my kids and, you know, I have to get on mine every now and then. Y'all need to understand this is the house of God. 
You know, another thing that gets me is when folks can come in the house of God and just start having random conversations. Ain't got nothing to do with glorifying God. Just talking about foolishness. Why y'all quiet? Just talking mess. And you got some folks who will sit in the house of God and bash one another. Yeah, you know, sister so-and-so, I can't believe she was up there shouting. You know, she, I saw her out there the other day and what what she was wearing. That just, I know she ain't got no reason to be shouting. She up here lifting her hands like she holy, like she, you know, spiritual. I know she ain't spiritual. These are things that are going on in the church. And then we wonder why we can't experience miracles being performed. Folks being delivered from demons. Watching people's bodies get healed and people heal from cancer and things turned around. Because we got too much mess. There's too much distraction. So we can't be spiritually dedicated to God. There's too many things in the way. He says, believe not every spirit. You got to know what spirit you're dealing with. Just because somebody present themselves a certain way, just somebody can talk the talk. You better know what spirit you're dealing with. The enemy, if he can, he'll try to sow seeds of discord and he'll do it so subtly just like he did with Eve. He'll embrace you with a conversation and next thing you know, you follow him. Yeah, y'all can't stand pastor either, you know. I don't like what he be. He talking about unity, church, united, prayer. Don't nobody want to come out here on Friday evening. I don't worked all week. Oh, maybe some folks have said that. I'm sorry. I didn't realize we was targeting some things that was actually going on. I'm sorry. Some of us cannot remain spiritually dedicated because we have become, as I said last week, carnally infatuated. We're attracted to the idea and the concept of godliness, but we're not equally committed to God himself. For some of us, holiness is just a concept, not a lifestyle. And can I say holiness is not just a matter of what's on the outside? Holiness is a condition of your heart. That's where you are. That's that's your life condition. Holiness. That's what you live. Amen. Righteousness is suggested but not required. Truth has to be tailored because nobody wants to tailor their lives to line up with the truth. Second Timothy three one through five. This knowing. Also, that in the, par- in the last days, perilous times shall come. That's 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. He says, men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, can't keep no promises, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. 
traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. I believe the scripture says, come out from among them. He says, wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Some of us have people that we associate with in the world, but you better be careful how close you connect with people in the world. The Bible says, be not unequally yoked. It's not just talking about marriage. Amen. At some point, we've got to decide what matters most to us. Got to figure out if we're going to be distracted by the earthly matters or will we remain dedicated to spiritual matters. It doesn't matter what, how much we gain on this earth if we're not making any spiritual investments. It will all be for nothing. It doesn't matter how much we accomplish on this earth. Only what we do for Christ will last. So I choose to walk in the spirit and die to the flesh. The Bible lets me know that I'm supposed to deny myself. Jesus says, if any man come after me, he must do what? Deny himself, take up his cross, and follow after him daily. Not just on Sundays and Wednesdays. Not just at revival times. But daily. You read your devotion in the morning. That's good. But daily, throughout the day, Psalm 1 says what? Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law, how often? That's what God told him to do with the commandments, right? He says, you're going to teach your children. You got to teach them when you get up, teach them when you, when you lay down, teach them as you're walking about. Throughout the day, you got to pass this along. They, they have not, they're not going to be the ones that have witnessed what I've done, but you've seen the things that I've done. You need to pass this along. So they don't forget. One day, brothers and sisters, if we live the life that God wants us to live, one day, the Bible lets us know we're going to be changed. It says flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, right? But one day we're going to be changed. The corruptible will put on incorruptible. The moral will put on immorality. The temporal will put on the eternal. The natural will put on the spiritual. One day we are going to leave this world because this world is not our home. We were just meant to pass on through. But while we are here, we need to remain spiritually minded. Philippians 4, 6 through 8 says... Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by what? Gossip. You see something wrong with somebody, you, you know, you be careful in, in nothing, uh, for nothing, but in everything with, with talking about folks. 
running your you know some folks just don't know how don't don't know what to talk about some people don't need phones just just can't just hot fingers can't wait to hey, let me daughter you notice they won't call some people because they know they won't entertain their conversation but I got to call the individuals that I know. Yeah, you know, I just can't stand. And this bothers me and this bugs me and I'm tired of this. And I and not once in that conversation did you say anything about let's join in prayer. Y'all, you know, I, that's one of my pet peeves. We can't expect growth if we part of the demolition crew. You got some folks stacking bricks. Can you imagine? I, you know, this just popped in my head, but can you imagine? You know, Noah says, we got to build an ark. And he, you know, laying wood and he putting the mortar on and, and, and he's like, all right, this side is done. He goes around, tries the other side and come back. And what happened to all the boys that was stacked up over here? Shem, Ham, and Jephthah done, done tore it down. That's what's going on in the church. You got some folks that's trying to build and put the brick, you know, hey, brick upon brick, you know, line upon line, precept upon precept. The next thing you know, you done try to encourage somebody and, and, and uplift them in the things of God. And somebody else came along and just tore it all down. Pastor trying to build people up, let's unite in the things of God, let's unite in prayer. And then you got folks calling one another and want to talk, talk junk. And some of them don't even know what they're talking about. Well, I know some of y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. That's all right. We got to stop. He says in everything, what? By prayer. We don't have enough folks getting on their knees and calling out to God on behalf of the needs of the body of Christ. You see something wrong? I just believe that God allowed you to see it, and that's when it's time for you to get on your knees and start calling out to God. Say, Lord, I'm glad you allowed me to see this, but I'm putting it in your hands. You're the one that can change this and turn this around. I can't do nothing about it, but I put it in your hands. Got a holiness police running around here. Prayer and supplication with what? Oh, no, you, you thought that was just one time a year in November, huh? No, Thanksgiving. Prayer and Thanksgiving. How many times do you get down on your knees and just start thanking God for what he's done for you? I, you know, I, I just can't help it. I just think, I start, you know, when I come before God, I'm just like, Lord, before I start asking you for anything, I just, I, you know, I'm just grateful for what you've done. You gave me life. I don't even deserve that. Thank you, Lord. I appreciate what you've done. You gave me strength in my body. I'm driving back and forth to work, and I'm all right on all this ice. Some folks didn't make it. Thank you, God. Can I tell you something? When you find yourself getting ready to complain... <laughs> you can't complain and be thankful at the same time. 
I start thinking about things that's not right. I just start thanking God and say, Lord, I just appreciate what you've done. And, and, and before I know it, I done got caught up in thanking God. I forgot about what I was going to complain about. Sometimes I have to break away at work. Lord, I don't even deserve this job. I appreciate what you've done for me. You're so awesome, God. And you know what? I just put this in your hands. I'm not even going to worry about this. Matter of fact, help me to go out with the right mindset. When I, when I leave from this area, God, I want to go out with the right mindset. I want to have the right conversation. Bottle my tongue when I get ready to complain and say things that's not right. I need you to help me, God. So I can be a witness while I'm sitting here complaining. I'm missing opportunities to be a witness for others. I'm just telling you about what I have to do daily, denying myself and doing what I can to take up my cross so I can follow Christ. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God. Some folks ain't got no peace because they ain't thankful and they ain't praying. But the peace of God that passeth or which passeth all understanding shall do what? Woo! You won't go crazy. You won't be stressed out. I'm just telling you what I experience in my walk with God. I don't know about you, but I know that he keeps me in perfect peace when I keep my mind Look at what he says in verse 8. I got to jump to verse 8 here. He says, finally, brethren, look at this, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest. All right, y'all see those two words, right? True and honest. Stop lying. Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are, there's a little tainted, a little dirt in it. Whatsoever things are, can I ask you something? If I put a grain of, well, I'm, I don't want to ask some of y'all because some of y'all might give me the unexpected response. But if I put a grain of dirt in your eggs, <laughs> yeah, I know some folks will still eat it. I don't want no I don't want anything of God that's tainted. I want the pure word of God. I don't want anybody's spirit trying to yoke up with my spirit if it's tainted. I need the pure thing. You a non-believer or you just don't believe that God can heal you, well, then you can take your unbelief somewhere else. But I need somebody that's going to believe. Is that too hard? <laughs> we, got, we got kids. I'm going to wrap this up here. We got kids in school, and, you know, kids will find themselves linked to other kids who agree with their idea of life. You see them on the playground and they want to play a certain sport and you'll see kids just start dividing. 
Not just because, oh, I want to play basketball, but I want to play basketball this way. And what do you hear a lot of little kids? Well, fine, I'm just going to find my own basketball. Now, if young kids can go to that extent of trying to figure out who they need to be around, that's going to agree. The Bible says, can two walk together except they be agreed? So we need to be careful who we are yoking up with. He says, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, and whatsoever things are of good report. I ain't got time for folks who always got a bad report. <laughs> I need somebody to call. We got enough bad news in our world today. Amen. If there be any virtue, look at that. And if there be any praise, think on these things. I got to wrap this up, but um, I have no issues when folks are calling one another to, to ask for prayer. You know, sometimes I get to talk to folks and, you know, we sit there, we're having an encouraging conversation. I love it. You know, and then after, at the end, you say, hey, well, you know, just please pray for such and such or whatever. But I leave that conversation feeling encouraged. We'll pray for one another. And then, you know, I leave that conversation feeling refreshed, renewed, not weighed down. And that's what we need to do, brothers and sisters. That's part of what we need to do in order to be spiritually minded. We've got to focus on spiritual things. Let me just say this, and I'll, and I'll close. There is a spiritual implication behind every earthly thing we see. Most people think that they are in control of their own lives. As we just read earlier, the God of this world are blinding the minds of the world. Please understand that there is a spiritual influence Behind everything that we see. Before the earth came, before the natural came, there was the spiritual. And the earthly is a result of the spiritual matters. So please understand, there's nothing wrong with trying to to be as godly as you can and be spiritual minded as you can. You know, some folks will say, well, that's, you know, you don't have to be that spiritual. Well, that's on you. But for me. I'd rather be as spiritual as God would allow me to be. Because that means to me that that's one moment closer. If he returns today, if he returns at this moment, then I know what state of mind he returned and he found me in. God is looking for us to get rid of all the earthly distractions. Yes, there are things that we have to take care of, but ultimately... We can't allow those things to consume us so much or so much of our attention that we lose sight of what we're supposed to be doing for God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you for your people. Help us, O oh God, to retain your word and let your perfect will be done in our lives. Have your way today in the name of Jesus. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. God bless you. I love you. Let's. Take a break and come back for a dynamic service in Jesus' name.